Good afternoon and welcome to yet another Critical Geeks. We're living in a world where, frankly, games are the only thing playing right now. And just like a dice rolling in a game, I've rolled a six because I've got Ryan Perrow with me here today. Howdy from, you know, my very own isolation booth. Yes, we are not physically in the same room together. More than two metres apart, we are, are speaking to each other over cleanfeed.net. We're doing a little uh, audio podcast with a difference, but we're going to bring it to you the same as we always do. Ryan, what have you been up to? Um, well, uh, I've been very fortunate in the sense that while I won't name the company, uh, the company I work for have got me on completely paid leave, which is very nice. So I've not had any stress really. So it's almost felt like a holiday. So I've been using that time to essentially catch up on TV series, anime, read books, comics, play games, basically all my nerdy shit that I normally fit into the time I'm not at work, I've been doing constantly. And uh, so, you've, oh, you've been a very good geek, haven't you? You've been very good at your geekiness. Yeah, I finished some games, which, which you know, as you all read before, is often something I don't do. I start games, but I don't finish them. But I have been finishing games. So that's, you know, that's a benefit of all this, I suppose. Yeah, um, I finished Doom Eternal recently. Yeah, I'm not gracious. yet, but I'm excited no. that you finished it. I'm like, yeah, Doom! Yeah. It's just more Doom. Um, which you graciously gave me for my birthday, which I thank. Uh, I really didn't like it at first, did I? You didn't. You were saying that it it was too jumpy and there were weird jumping elements. You're like, why have I got to leap around like Mirror's Edge in Doom? I don't like this. But I think then you got into the, the pure carnage that is Doom Eternal right. and you seemed to quite like it. Yeah, so the, 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 the jumping sections are still lame and are completely pointless to the point where all you're doing is just travelling between areas at points, having to hit these like perfect double jump boosts to land on poles, to swing onto other poles, and it's a bit shit. But in the combat, it's brilliant. And I think if you play this like the old Doom, which mostly consisted of still being active, but just running around in a circle, you had the occasional jump pads which you never used. If you just try and run around and stay at like a, a ground level, you would die really quickly. You would get hit, get hurt, and you would die. And even the crappy little basic enemies, the fodder as the game calls them, um, they hit you quite hard and you would lose your health and armor. So you need to be active and move around. And do you know what? You, you have this like, this zen like state in Doom Eternal where. You just know exactly what you're doing against every enemy. You know exactly how to kill them, but you're reacting so quickly to what's in front of you. You're just like in the zone. I'd weirdly say it's similar to the Batman games with the free-flowing combat of Batman, where you're just reacting perfectly to everything around you in different ways. Um, it, it's just brilliant. It's very different than the other Doom. I would not go and play this thinking, oh, it's another Doom or more Doom. It's a different Doom. I like that though. Like, as much as I enjoyed Doom 2016 and would happily play, play carbon copies of that, you know, from here until eternity, I like that they haven't just kind of gone, oh, look, we had a surprise hit. Um, let's just copy and paste the game, but with an updated story and go from there. Like, if they've changed the gameplay, changed the mechanics, trying to do something a bit different. Um, from what I did play at EGX and the bits I've seen, the Doom Marine seems very self-sufficient now in terms of rather than running around the map and looking for pickups you know you set enemies on fire to kill them to get armor and then gory kills get you ammo and it basically seems like you get to continue the carnage by causing carnage and it just seems like it just feeds into itself 
and I'm very, very excited to play it once I finish the stuff I've currently got on the go. Yeah, you have to, again, you'd just be thinking, right, I need armor, so I need to find something to burn to give me that armor, but you can't just run up to a big giant spider demon robot and burn him because you're going to get killed. You need to find something which you can take advantage of killing. The best thing you, I think the best thing you do is you find something you can do a glory kill to and then set that on fire at the last possible second. So oh, you're okay. killing it, getting health from it and armor from it. And again, it's, you're struggled. Do you know what? I struggled in the first two or three levels. And after that, the game got easier and easier because of my ability grew. There was a few sections which I got stuck on and there was one boss which took me about six or seven attempts. But again, the time that I beat that boss, I breezed through it like it was nothing. It was very weird, struggling and struggling and struggling. And then the, the time where I killed it, I took off probably 60 or 70% of its health without even breaking a sweat. Yeah, it's always odd in games how that you can fail a dozen times and just get really frustrated and angry and then suddenly do it as if it wasn't a problem. The best example I can give you for myself would be Halo 5 Guardians. I was fighting the Warden Eternal and it's when we were on the ramp. <laughs> I love how angry you get over this boss in Halo. It's really funny. It, well, I mean, you know that I'll always play the Halo games by myself on Legendary first time. So I always do, always have, always will. Um, and I remember being in the party, getting like viscerally angry, screaming at my head so that he kept killing me. And he kept spawning more of those stupid dogs. And I just couldn't kill him. And then I've got Daniel set there going, it's not that hard. Just kill the dogs first. He doesn't spawn that many dogs. I'm like, Daniel, there's six dogs on the fucking screen. He's like, no, he doesn't. He spawns two. And then it turns out Daniel's playing it on heroic. <laughs> so I was just like, just over talk, keep the party. Like, you don't know this conversation. Um, but I got really angry about the 19th time I tried to kill him and just could not defeat him using, you know, DMRs type tactics to stay back and like shooting him in his weak points. Couldn't do it. So I got angry, picked up a scatter shot, ran straight at him, let throw over a wall and just unloaded the scatter shot into his back and killed him. I wasn't even trying to beat him. I was just angry and decided I would insult him by shooting him with a shotgun and that beat him. And I was livid. I wasn't even happy that I'd beat him. I was just so angry that there's this giant boss who's supposed to be this terrifying, you know, mechanical construct in Halo that's supposed to be scary and I beat him by running behind him and shooting in the back of a shotgun four times I was like that that's not a boss isn't meant to work it's not, no. this isn't crafted gameplay this is just me running in like a nut job and killing him I was like but oh. that works in Doom you have to become a crazy psychotic killer that is outnumbered and outgunned but you know you're you're the biggest baddest fucking thing there it's it's a joy to play, it really is. The fact that you've got to kill enemies outright to get health. Get close to get ammo and armor is a genius idea because it means you don't run away and the best thing to be is aggressive. And when you're about to die, but even more aggressive, it's just, it's just a joy to play. We don't really do reviews as such, but if I did, it would be a perfect 10. Even though there's imperfections, it would get a perfect score for me. Um, That's fair. It's a joy to play. Absolute joy to play. Uh, Daniel is supposed to be here now, but he isn't. But I was going to get him to talk about Resident Evil 3, a game which neither one of us have played and neither one of us really want to get because it doesn't sound like it's worth £50 at all. No, I mean, my colleague Kyle from uh, Game Hope, uh, he's like a horror fanatic, and his review basically said, it's a step backwards, it's too short, the story's overly condensed from the original, and just put me off a little bit. And then Daniel finished it, sent us like a picture of or a screenshot of his completion screen and he'd done the whole game in seven and a half hours and I was just like whoa 
Like, I don't want to give... And bear in mind that we do that account sharing thing, so it's only going to cost us £25 each, and we're mm. still being cheap. It's like... Eh, it's seven and a half hours for 25 quid, considering that I've just finished Type 0 that I paid £8 for, um, and that took me 62 hours to finish. Uh, I'm currently playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, which arrived four days early. Again, which we would definitely line. get to. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll wait before I dive into that one. Um, but yeah, it just I, I'm playing Resident Evil 2 at the minute, like much, much, much late. You know, I'm definitely, definitely late playing that one, the remake. Um, I'm having a fantastic time playing it. I'm terrified. I'm um, constantly jumping. I hate liquors um, to the point where whatever corridors liquors occupy, you know what? That's where they live. I'm not going to get in their way. I'll walk mm. around the other way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Resident Evil 3 was my favorite Resident Evil. I've said for years that it's the best game. It's my favorite. I loved it. Nemesis was great. So I should be really excited for this. But based on kind of the feedback I've gotten about it, I'm hesitant to spend that much cash on it, especially when being a Capcom game that is basically single player I mean they've tacked on that what's it called resistance mode yeah that rubbish multiplayer it was shit like <laughs> when we were playing the beta and um, we were discussing recently about Outbreak in my head that's how I imagined Outbreak played back in the early 2000s on the PS2 not how something should be playing now in 2020 like it was clunky and unresponsive and boring and dull and had that kind of like weirdly I guess you'd say Japanese contrived storytelling where there's just this evil character who's like, ah, oh, fuck you, for no reason. Like, okay, he's already infected us with a virus and he's waiting to see what, how long it takes us to die. But he's somehow insulted that we're completing the trial he set for us to complete this virus. Yeah. Like, he's imagine like, if real science was like that. Like, we're going to test this cancer drug on these rats. You little bastards, don't be cured. Oh, like, damn it doesn't you make any rats. sense. Yeah. Um, it was like a saw trap crossed with Riddler, crossed with a really boring idea for a bad guy I don't get it I don't get why they thought he had a temple a template for Outbreak many years ago and just didn't use that because it's more interesting I don't know why they need this grandiose evil character that you've got to thwart and beat it's like surely in the situation these people are in not dying horribly or being mutated is the win well I mean <sighs> considering that you guys loved seven days to die which is basically just survive it wasn't kill all the baddies wasn't take down umbrella corporation it was just don't die so if like i said if you'd done that if you had just been right you're in a sandbox that's gonna have randomly respawning supplies how long can you survive in raccoon city and i'd be like great make the gameplay fairly similar to the actual game you know over the shoulder shooter carry mm -hmm. on i'd be like cool let's give that a go like make ammo really scarce the problem is with that kind of stuff, if you make ammo scarce, you've got to make melee an option. And if melee is an option, you've got to make melee efficient. And then they end up counterbalancing. Like, I was shooting zombies in the head on the resistance beta, barely doing any damage. Pulled out a pipe and was just braining them left, right, and center. And it's like, it, it, yeah, it's a weird like, disconnect where it's like, oh, look, this is a you know a 9mm gun, but it's going to tickle a zombie. But this wooden plank you found on the floor, it's going to murder it. Yeah, using a, using a knife is not something you should be doing in any Resident Evil game other than Resident Evil 4, yeah, I mean, where like, it's like your best friend. Bear in mind that these characters are meant to be like random civilians as well. So, you know, you know you're not Jill Valentine of stars or, you know, you're not a badass. You're just a bloke or a woman just randomly in this situation. My, my, my solution to it would be not get within range of a zombie where it could possibly grab or bite me. So the last thing I'm going to do is like, oh, pass me that cricket bat. I'm going to go brain it and hit, nope, nope. I want like a poor cue to poke yeah, it away. Surely, like, surely under the circumstances where one of them might be a police officer, 
you know what the game's boss should be? A liquor. Ugh, hate this. Like because that would that would murder civilians. And maybe as a group, maybe if they use tools or traps or stealth or something, they might be able to kill one. But what's weird is playing Resident Evil 2 remake with the liquors. It's kind of ruined a quiet place for me, the movie, because I'm just like they were shit compared to liquors. <laughs> It's, it's, like, right. it's like remotely trying to be the same thing, but it came up on Netflix the other day that it was there, and I was like, yeah, but it's not a liquor, is it? I just didn't want to watch it again, because it's not a liquor, and they're terrifying. Yeah, they were not. Terrify me. They were not fun in Resident Evil 2. Um, so you haven't finished it yet, have you? Uh, no. Um, I'm in the lab. I'm in the nest. Uh, I've got to kill the plant, um, which for some reason I remember thinking was in Resident Evil 1. I don't know why I thought the plant was in Resident Evil 1. Is there a plant in Res 1? Yeah, there's a big plant you have to mix the formulas for, but it's just a plant in a house where... In Resident Evil 2, I think there was just a lab with these crappy um, plant monsters. Well, the plant zombies. There. The plant zombies in the remake are freaking horrific. If they bite you, you're dead. Oh, you I, just just I just ran away from them. I was like, I'm not fighting these because they keep coming back. I thought I had a frag grenade, but I didn't. So I let one grab me and I'm like, ha, 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 you're going to die. And then didn't the option to put the grenade in his mouth didn't appear. And their, their whole head splits open like a Venus flytrap. They just chomp down on your character's head and you die immediately. It's one hit mm. kill. You can't can't take more than one hit from them, which makes them terrifying. And then they take a couple of flame rounds each to kill. But it's Resident Evil, so you're immediately like, you're a normal enemy. You're not having a gun or a bullet, rather. You're not having any of my valuable resources that I need for a boss at some point. And then, of course, you finish the game with a small armoury, like Taco Bell. Yeah, it's issues. frustrating, but it probably says you've done a good job, but it's frustrating. And you're quite close to the end, then. You're quite close to the end. Um, I think 2 was brilliant, and the thing with 2, of course, is you had... They released four survivor stories, which are all shite. They're all these dumb speed-running Oh, but one was, one was in the, the Kendo gun shop. Yeah, but it was, still, it was still speed running. You had this like, timer. I was like, oh, this is terrible. Um, so, yeah, okay, you've got extra DLC for it. But you've got two characters whose playthroughs are, say, mm, you know, 70% similar. And then you had the alternate scenarios, which were done really poorly, I think, in Resident Evil 2 Remake. But again, mostly similar. So if you play, just say, the two standard characters, that's a, that's a 15 to, say, 20-hour experience depending on how quickly you, you finish it and six hours for Resident Evil 3 which isn't as appealable to two anyway for me personally because I didn't like Nemesis I don't think I mean, it's worth 50 pound three is more appealing on the fact it's a game one of my all-time favorite the only sort of horror game I'd say I like more than Resident Evil 3 Nemesis would be Dino Crisis um, and then it's more appealing in theory but like you said seven hours for 50 quid is like Ugh. And then Daniel said that when you complete it, you unlock harder difficulties, and harder difficulties have slightly different story aspects to expand the story in certain ways. Which to me just screams like Capcom went, eh, making me play and show some more content in. Eh, eh, yeah, you know, technically yeah. to 100% the game, it's a it's a 42 hour experience. So I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to repeat the same corridor 14 times to get to find an extra file that explains one slight mutation in a random G virus. Like I don't care. Like if I once I finish the main narrative, I'm done. I don't often 100% games because it just takes so much time and effort. It's if the narrative's finished, I'm all good. Um, which leads me in, you know, to Final Fantasy Type Zero, which is yeah. one of the games I finished this, oh, this past. I did not expect you to say Type Zero then, but yes, I guess you did finish did. Type Zero. Um, I bought Type Zero many, many, many moons ago. Uh, the HD remaster for Xbox. Um, mm -hmm. It's 
It's got the same director as Final Fantasy XV, so that kind of sums up the, the kind of combat style. It's very similar. It's a lot more involved. There's a lot more timing-based stuff. It's, it's a more involved game than just holding down the X button and killing stuff like you do in XV. Um, but the only issue with it is a PSP game, so sometimes the cameras are shocking. Like, I'd stop playing it for about a year and a half because one of the bosses you have in this big mission is like a giant mech. You physically can't see where it is based on the camera position, so you can see, like, the bottom half of it, but you can't see what it's doing to work out what attack it's going to do to then try and dodge the attack. So you end up just guessing. You're just like, uh, I'll hide here. And then if you hit you, you die. If you don't, you can't find. But I eventually went back and beat that boss. Like you were saying earlier, I tried for weeks on end and just couldn't beat him. And then when I went back to the game, beat it first time. Um, but I finished that game, which was 62 hours. Um, again, that is designed for multiple playthroughs, um, which... I enjoyed all like, the characters, there's like 13 or 14 of these kids. Imagine if Hogwarts was a military cadet school, it's the best way I can describe the setting. You all play as children that have been specifically chosen by a doctor, uh, who they all call Mother, and you're part of your nation's army, and they're three of the nations, and a giant war breaks out. Again, very similar to 15, everyone's got magic armor, again, similar to 15, because same direction. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you went through 60 hours of this, and you get to... You, you basically you finish the war and I was like yeah and it's fuck great and this game is dark it doesn't feel like a normal Final Fantasy game there's like war chocobos and blood everywhere and people are getting killed left right centre young girls getting shot in the chest like it's really violent and bloody and it felt really grounded and I was like this is fantastic it's really different experience that I'm not used to from Final Fantasy except you get to the final chapter and then it jumps the shark and it suddenly goes proper Final Fantasy and there are words you don't know what they mean and names you can't pronounce and plot elements that have never been mentioned before uh, and it suddenly turns out, spoilers ahead, that the world has repeated itself over 600 million times and you're part of the Doctor's experiment to see if the right person can be born and be deemed worthy to stop the apocalypse happening and after you've saved the world, these things called the Rorus appear, start murdering everyone, and you've got to go through some trials and kill a Le C. Um, no, a Falci, sorry. And it's just like, wait, what? 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 What's going on? Well, I don't understand. But you finished oh, the game. The, the Final Fantasy games are so convoluted and bizarre now. I blame Kingdom Hearts. I mean, most of the game made sense. Like, it was a good 98% of the game made perfect sense. There's four crystals. Each crystal has a nation surrounding it. They're at war. Go win the war. You're part of this country. Jobs are good. Then you got this weird bit at the end. Then you get this cutscene where all the kids realise they're going to die. And it's this beautifully rendered cutscene that's just gorgeous to look at where all these kids are basically just discussing what they would do with their futures if they had a future, but they know they don't because they're going to die. Um, and it's heartbreaking. And then you're supposed to play the game again to undo different missions, to unlock different story aspects to find out the story behind the story. And I'm like, oh, no thanks, I'll just Google it because I haven't got time to spend another 62 hours playing the game again. Um, but then I did find a alternate ending on the online where it turns out that it, that it's just a school. They're just at a normal school. Um, and then all the characters you see have like the usual trolls and tribulations. If you're like, Ace is being a nerd, but he's, he told his friend he'd help out so they go party. And then some of the kids bluff, ban practice, and one of the girls <laughs> fancies the teacher. I it's thought, just really happy ending. I thought you were going to say then, because it's a school, the whole story was actually a bunch of children playing on the playground, and that's their pretend story. I don't. It starts with Ace waking up in the classroom, and I was like, if this whole game's been a fucking dream, I hate that fucking plot device and it, it drives me nuts. But luckily, well, I say luckily, it was tragic and I was upset because everyone died. But it was interesting. And it was, I mean, okay. I so, seem to um, like the Final Fantasies that people don't like. I like 13. Yes, I've noticed that. I like Type Zero. I liked 15. Um, 
maybe it's that fabulous Christinus novellus, whatever they call it, thing where there's a slightly different take on the traditional story. I don't know, but I did enjoy it. So if you've got so, eight quid spare, I recommend it. Talking of Final Fantasies, um, I believe we have another Final Fantasy fan with us, Daniel. Hey, Daniel's joined hey. us. I can barely hear him. He needs to speak up or come closer to his microphone. Uh, yep, through the yeah. power of the internet, Daniel's joined us halfway through. Which is, that was uh, creepy. I wasn't looking at the screen and didn't know Daniel was here. So he was like, we've got another fire. Like, no, we don't. There's just two of us. And Daniel pipes up and I was like, ah! <laughs> where, where, where did he come from? You don't get that when we do it in person, do we? He just sneaks up and is like, I'm here now. Lee used to. Lee's really good at just suddenly appearing out of nowhere. But still. Yes, Daniel, you need to come very close to the microphone or you're using a wrong setting because we can still barely hear you. Okay, so, yeah, I've flipped yeah. my tablet around. Yeah, 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 I don't know where the go. microphone hold is. That's better. <laughs> so yeah, you're a bit louder now. Hero um, volume now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so with Daniel Reeve, Daniel has just joined us, so we've been talking about Doom Eternal, and oh, nice. we briefly mentioned Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 2, yes. but you finished Resident Evil 3, haven't you, Daniel? So why don't you tell yes. us about that? So first of all, the first thing I want to say is that I'm getting a little bit annoyed by everyone bashing it, because... I've tried explaining it in a, a few different ways and it's not so much it its biggest enemy is the expectation because it's called a remake people expect it to, to follow the original like to the letter and it doesn't do that it kind of restructures a lot of it but I mean one of the main complaints has been the length of it but it's not really that short of a game it's not terribly long but the pace that it runs at, if they were to slow it down a little bit and pad it out, it wouldn't have the same impact because you, you feel like you're in a city, you're trying to escape, and there's constantly things getting in the way of that stopping you, and it, it's like 100 miles an hour from start to finish. And I just think it works really well. So, is it, so it's worth the money then? I wouldn't quite say it was worth 50 quid. Because I mean, even with the, the tacked on multiplayer, um, it, it's still not worth 50 quid. Definitely 30 quid would be a fair price for it. Um, but I mean, Nemesis has done so much better than Mr. X was. He feels like more of a threat rather than an inconvenience. Like Mr. X just got in your way at times. Whereas Nemesis actually, you feel like when he's there, you need to, to be afraid. <laughs> Okay, they they do a good job as as well of kind of demonstrating like how he can use weapons and I, I don't want to say too much because I want to avoid spoilers where possible. But I mean, yeah, like you you guys know that I gave it an eighty eight percent essentially or an eight point eight. Um, the only thing that I would say it loses some points for is there are certain sections in the game that aren't there like they're just all together cut out and that's the only real disappointment i found with it so i always find this Fair. funny when games or films or whatever do retreads of the similar same story again because a lot of time like ryan said people just want a reskin they don't really want a retelling yeah. like the reason why you bought it is you go oh my god there's this modernized version of this film or tv show or game but they want the nostalgia trip but with a modern feel. You don't necessarily want anything different. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, I, 
it's you know when I first started playing it and I was I, I said to you guys I wasn't impressed so far and that was like half an hour in mm -hmm. yeah that was because like it was just literally the weight of expectation because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be but if you play it and you, you work your way through it on its own merits it's actually a really good version it's, it's fairly similar to what Ryan said about the Final Fantasy 7 remake like it's more a restructured retelling of the story rather than a, a like-for-like -like carbon copy in a modern engine. Yeah, I mean, uh, I hate retcons uh, as a comic book fan. Retcons do my nut in. I hate it when they will bring out a new edition and change history, and that always winds me up. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you've got to look at it from a creative endeavour of there's been a team of however many people that have developed whatever re-release this is. Why did they want to just copy and paste someone else's work? It's not very often yeah. that you'll get the original team back to redo something because if that was the point, I mean, all you'd be doing then would be reskinning it and giving it a, a shiny lick of paint. Yeah. Um, and I don't I mean, think I know the enjoyment of... would be the same. Like, if, if you knew what was coming, when it was coming, and how, you'd enjoy it for the nostalgia, but you wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't, like, and horror as well, particularly horror. The, the horror comes from a sense of not being familiar with the threats that you're going to face. When you get familiar, the horror goes. So by restructuring and, and retelling it, I think they've they've kind of rejuvenated it in a sense. Yeah, precisely. Like, look at like if, if if it was just nostalgic, you might as well just play the original. Why why spend the money on buying the remake or you know why the the, the company bother producing it? Because if it's nostalgia, you want just play the one you played 15 years ago. Yeah, like as a, as a Resident Evil fan, like or with Resident Evil Three being your favourite, I think they've done justice to Nemesis, and I think you'd probably agree with that. I mean, and you'd one, probably have some minor niggles with it as well, but yeah, I do one, think they did a very good job of Nemesis. Which you pretty much put to bed straight away when I said it annoyed me that Jill uses a Glock now and not a Beretta, and you were like, she loses a Beretta almost immediately, and I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Like, yeah. at least it's there. Yeah, like I, won't, like, I won't tell you what happens, but the gun that she's using is one that she finds. <laughs> it's not hers. I'm okay with. I mean, I, but, I mean, ultimately, I guess I'd be fine with it anyway, because if you're going to set the game, I guess, in modern times, most police forces use Glocks, not Berets, so it would have made sense. But I do just want to touch on as well the replay value, because one thing you'll like, as you play through the story first time, you'll unlock... They're not achievements as such. They're like milestones in-game. And at the end, you get points based on how many milestones you hit. And you can actually buy Jill's original gun. I can't remember the exact name of it. Um, I believe it's the one you've got the, the replica airsoft version of. The Samurai Edge. That's the one. You can buy that to play in another playthrough. And also as well, I know we've got like mixed feelings on this. But apparently if you play the game on its nightmare mode, which you unlock after completing it on hard mode, some of the story little segments of it are almost extended not in like a massive way but enough to kind of make me curious enough to think oh I'm going to go through that again like Nemesis on Nightmare Mode would be fucking terrifying as, as lame as it's going to sound just being able to use a Samurai Edge would be enough to make me want to play it again properly I'd be like yes and I'll do it properly yeah. properly Capcom I mean, how it should have been done also as well the first thing I bought was Jaws Resident Evil 1 costume really not a classic Classic miniskirt and boob tube from Res, the original Res. No, you friend. get that for free as a, a pre-order bonus. Yeah, but I just have written that the entire time because that's how she should well, look. I, I, I did that on my first playthrough. 
It's just the idea of like, uh, I said to Neil the other day, I've kind of got a bit of a, a Jill Valentine fetish, probably like most young males that played the, the original. Fair. <laughs> I mean, I'd, 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 didn't, I'd deny it, but it's true. I was, I was a very smitten Richard Valentine back in the day. Yeah. Speaking of smitten with gaming characters, I've been playing the Final Fantasy VII remake. Have you, Ryan? What a well done link that was. Yeah, and <laughs> it's so far, it's fantastic. It's amazing. Yes, I have it early. Um, game shipped it early, which absolutely blew my mind because it's game and they're practically frankly, quite useless. Um, but I'm not very far into it. Um, every single thing about it so far, I love. Apart from the fact that I was going to play it on classic mode, so it felt a bit more turn-based RPGs, but playing it on classic mode makes the combat difficulty easy by default, and there's no option to change the combat difficulty from like easy to hard or normal or hard in classic mode, so I ended up just playing it in whatever they call the new mode, I don't know, action mode. Um, that's not normal. But I want to hear more about how they've swayed you from your opinion on a, a certain main character. I don't know. Oh, as I mean, you know, get ready for the hate in the comments. As a child, when I originally played Final Fantasy VII, briefly, I didn't play a lot of it. I think I got to the end of like, I don't know, halfway through disc two, maybe. I wasn't very far. Um, I hated Ev, Ares, which everyone probably want to pronounce it based on the localization you played. I hated her. I was like, look, love, I'm on a terror mission. I ain't got time for your flower. Sit down, shut up, go. I hated her. I actually hated her. I thought she was stuck up and conceded. I'm one of the ancients, Cloud, one of the ancients. And I hated her. I absolutely hated her. And then when I replayed it and completed the, re or the original, what, last month, she grew on me a little bit. And uh, my friend Laura's been saying for months and months and months that given the characters a voice, like an actual voice actor, will actually inflect how they're saying what they're saying. And she doesn't think I'll find Aeris as pretentious or annoying because I'll hear the inflection in the voice actor's voice rather than just reading the text how I'm taking it. Um, there's an opening cutscene and it's just showing you all of Midgar, which looks like an actual city um, and is amazing and it seems like a real place and it's, it's just oh, stunning to look at. And then there's just a little bit where there's some Mako leaking out of a pipe and like a little, or Mako as they pronounce, actually pronounced, even though we all say Mako, it's actually pronounced Mako. Um, there's some Mako uh, coming out of a pipe and a little flower and uh, Aerith is just playing with the flower and she just looks adorable and innocent and friendly and I was like, oh. And then I was all, yay Aerith, and you meet her. And then I found Tifa in the game and was like, forget you Aerith, Tifa's back, so we're all good. Um, but it's been very good so far. It's, it's stunning. Like, it's quite possibly the prettiest game I've ever played. Um, I just keep stopping to look at Cloud's face or we'll pan the camera up to look at the plate from in the slums and be like, um, the, the opening mission where you do the bomb, um, you, you get so much character out of Big Jesse and Wedge that I'm actually really sad they're all going to die. <laughs> because I really like them. Everyone's got this weird obsession in it with putting their thumbs up, which is really cringy when they do it because, you know, it's 2020 and no one does that. Okay, but I wonder if that's a Japanese thing. I, I don't know, but like, like Wedge will be like, we'll do it, Cloud, thumb up. And then Jesse's like, yeah, thumb up. And everyone's doing a thumb up. I'm like, oh, you all, like, no, stop it. It's cringy. You're supposed to be terrorists. <laughs> I hope they all like look at each other before that plate of the city falls on their head and they all give each other a little, little thumbs up before they're all um, brutally killed. Now, I've been avoiding Twitter and social media because people aren't happy about the game and I don't want to read spoilers. But I'm three hours in um, and stuff's changed already from the original story. 
Yeah, see, I made a prediction ages ago that I thought Square were going to change stuff and piss off the fans, and I get the feeling I might be right. Um, well, I'll tell you the one small change. It's not a massive spoiler, but, you know, plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. So, you set off the bomb in Mako Reactor 1, and it explodes and doesn't damage the reactor in the slightest. Doesn't, doesn't do anything. And then the camera cuts to the Shimmer office and there's you know there's big bad man Shimmer and uh, Herdegurdegur as I call him and then the <laughs> Shimmer president nods at Herdegurdegur and then all the devices in the room start firing all their guns and lasers and explosives at the Mako reactor and Shinra caused the Mako reactor to explode and then they pin oh. the blame on Avalanche and everyone's like but Avalanche think they've done it Jesse's all heartbroken that, oh my god it wasn't supposed to cause this giant devastation that it has caused it was just supposed to disable the reactor so she thinks she's done it but it turns out that actually Shinra are the people that have caused all this like heartache and the only reason I can think they've done it is because it takes the villainy out of the action now I don't know how it's going to be later in the game it won't be in this game obviously it'll be later in other releases but Barrett's guilt over the plate and the you know the slums and all that kind of stuff is part of his character arc he's you know in Spain with his you know going back to Coral and it's part of his arc and part of him trying to redeem himself and be a better person and realising that maybe he was misguided when he was being a terrorist um, I'm only assuming that they've basically gone we can't have people rooting for terrorists in this manner so if we make it that Shinra did all the destruction it lets Barrett and the guys off the hook a bit um, that makes sense I mean I like the sound of that to be fair it, I mean it makes Shinra more dastardly which you know is always good um, there's a couple of other changes um Cloud's little headaches are done phenomenally well. Um, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I won't spoil anymore because, I mean, you guys are all going to play it at some point, I imagine. But so far, I, I couldn't be more impressed. Uh, the combat's a lot more difficult than I remember it being when I played at EGX, which I'm assuming at EGX, they just put it on ease, super easy, to make everyone feel good and leave happy, like, yeah, I beat up the Scorpion. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I said that to you, didn't I, that I, everyone did the demo because it's a demo. But when I played it on the physical demo rather than the press one um, it wasn't getting the same feeling from it one thing I'm having to adjust to in it is because the combat's action in feels somewhat similar to 15 in 15 all you do is control one character occasionally direct the other guys to do something but it's like two button presses and everything just kind of takes care of itself whereas in this when their APB gauge is full enough the characters can do actions you can tell them what to do but you have to be a lot more on the ball into what's happening um, especially because it's got the, the staggered system from 13 where you do more damage and I've got better but obviously if you're fighting a robot and you hit it with a lightning spell that's, that fills its stagger bar really quickly but if you forget oh wait I've got to get this character to use like you know lightning the fight can take ages and suddenly you're getting trounced and you're like oh what's happening and you realise oh wait I haven't told Barrett to do what he needs to do um, so there's a mission where you've got to kill like a giant feral beastie and it's Cloud and Tifa. Playing as Tifa, if I could just delete Cloud and play the whole game as Tifa, I would. Fighting as Tifa is fantastically fun. Fun? Fun? It's, it's just brilliant. It, <laughs> she's got an uppercut she does that starts like a it's like a power attack, and she's got a bunch of other like light attacks she does from Preston Square. Um, but you can hit enemies out of the air, so at one point, I pressed to do a punch, as Cloud smacked an enemy into the air, and as he fell in front of Tifa, her fist hit this guy right in the face, and he went flying backwards. And I was like, ah, that's amazing! And just like completely got overexcited about Tifa beating <laughs> people up. Um, but Tifa just, just wails on people. Um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, if you were going to 
One thing I always criticise Seven for is that all the characters feel pretty interchangeable, and while their stats are technically different, everyone can kind of do everything. Um, there's not really a lot of people like, oh, she's definitely like, Eric's supposed to be a healer, but you know, you can give Barrett 50 heal spells if you want, and you can do it. There's no. Oh real yeah, I, I said this that um, you can get through Seven just by attacking everything with basic attacks. But in and remake, Tifa feels like a monk, like like an old old school job class monk it's like fantastic she's got different she's got an ability that kind of boosts her physical prowess that she can use when her gauge is full um using items needs the app gauge which is one thing i don't like because when you need health if you've not timed the combat well or i guess behind the damage curve and you're you need healing <laughs> you've basically got to be like oh i'll roll around on the floor for a while to that biofield so i can use a potion which is a bit Makes you feel a bit lame because you know you've just punched the shit out of 17 Shimra guards, but then the attack dog, which is tougher than the Shimra guards, you've got to be like, hang on, hang on, pooch, sit, sit while the bar fills. Now I can throw a fire spell at you. It's a, but yeah, it's it's amazing, and I will happily take my PS4 to all of your houses when I finish it, so you can all play it. Um, yeah, speaking we, of we, the PS4, there's a, something I wanna. I've, I've told you already, Neil, but as far as the rumor mill goes. PS5 may actually be in quite a bit of trouble. Yeah, I've heard I've heard these little rumours that Sony are either backtracking or they're not quite ready, or it's a financial issue or a corona issue, but I'm interested to hear Ryan's thoughts because Ryan is is fairly anti-Sony for pretty good reasons. But the rumour has it that the PS5, when they made it, they underestimated how powerful the Series X would be. So therefore, the PS5 is struggling to keep up with the Xbox One. It's overheating because it can't maintain its clock speeds. And with coronavirus tied into all of that, they're looking at a complete redesign um, and maybe a six to 12 month delay. Uh, taking that out of like rumor jargon, I, I would guess, I don't think you'll get a delay just because it'll hit them quite financially. I think we'd just get a PS5 Pro a lot faster than we would otherwise. Um, and they may have to just kind of dial that back some of the, you know, oh, look, it can run 50 games at once, so you can dial, just dial stuff back. But I'm not surprised. Like, I, I don't hate Sony. I'm just used to Sony's bullshit by now. Um, I was there when the PS2 came out, and they released all this fucking tech demo footage of Ridge Racer looking amazing, and I plugged mine in when I got it, put Ridge Racer in, and I didn't. I wasn't a fan of racing games, but this game looked so fantastically brilliant from all the stuff they'd shown, I had to have Ridge Racer, so I bought Ridge Racer, stuck it in the TV, and was like, what the fuck is this? And the PS2 came with a little blue booklet that would advertise like all the launch games and all the first party games. And I remember flicking through it, looking at the screenshots of Ridge Racer in their pre-rendered, touched up nonsense and holding it in front of my TV. Just like, one of these <laughs> is got, not like the other. Like, you got like, fucking sold. If it wasn't for Time Splitters 1, like the original Time Splitters, the PS2 launch would have been a complete shit show for me. But luckily... I guess Time Splitters has been falling in love with shooters. That, that kind of saved the launch. But yeah. without overrunning the tail, I'm used to Sony bullshitting. Just like when they got sued over the Resistance trailer and all the other times Sony have flat out lied to consumers. I When we watched that tech conference that Sony had the that other day, before that started, I specifically said, I guarantee we'll get two things here. They'll they'll go into backwards compatibility and say it won't be all crap because everyone was saying it'll be PS One onwards. I'm like, not a fucking chance. Oh, it will be a select few PS Four titles. It won't be the whole thing. It won't be as widespread as they've suggested it will be. And I guarantee they come out with some kind of nonsense about not comparing 
spec sheets because the way they do things on the PlayStation means you can't really compare them because the PlayStation does it in a special way. And by the end of that conference, they'd announced that it's like 100 PS4 games that are back and compatible, and then they'd try and add more later, but it wouldn't be PS2, PS3, or PS1. And they went, well, we've got custom architecture, so don't look at spec sheets and GPUs and teraflops. And I'm like, oh, there you go, you've, you, there you go, you've already, you've already tried to make a bullshit excuse about why your hardware is not technically as good. Yeah, I'm, when I'm just used to that. When your hardware on a console is the driving force between, you know, behind most of your stuff, because it's not a PC, it's not really doing anything more advanced through operating systems and things. You can't go, well, yes, but. We have our own special so anyway. It's like saying we've got a special Sony secret sauce that we're not telling you all the ingredients of, but oh, it's it's a spicy metabol. It doesn't mean anything. In all fairness, been outplayed and outpowered, and now you're trying to call bullshit. In all fairness, that's what Microsoft did with the Xbox One um, when that first launched. Though they they basically said like, well, yeah, it, it's not as powerful, but we're Microsoft. We're experts in software. We can make like any software run on the hardware we've got in there, even though technically it was underpowered compared to the PS4. Bad. Cloud, yeah, I mean, at least. Not, I mean, not to, I'm not trying to make out that Nintendo and, and Microsoft don't bullshit. It's just that I'm so consistently used to Sony doing it that there's nothing yeah. Sony can say that I don't immediately look for the jargonless kind of like workout like the, the secret code in there. Like, oh, wait, so they've said this, but what I actually mean is this. And I'm just, I'm just used to Sony. Microsoft... I mean, they've had some right blunders. We've got a console for those people. It's called Xbox 360. Like, for fuck's sake, dumb yeah. like, I'm convinced you know, to this very day he had a PS, uh, he had a PlayStation T-shirt on under his shirt when he said that. I mean, I guess the company's bullshitting, but I mean, I, I mean, I end up fortunately most of the time with all the consoles. Like, I can see my play PS4, my Xbox One X, and my Switch all sat under my TV here. Um, it's a rare time that the PS4 is the console turned on, but so so is the case. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll get an Xbox, whatever it's called, Series X, uh, on launch because it's my preferred platform. Um, and then I will probably get a PS5 at some point. Maybe when I might do it with the PS4 and wait for them to release the Pro version of the console and then buy the older one as it's going uh, out the window just because they go dirt cheap. I mean, I got my PS4 for a steal. It was dirt cheap. Um, so I'll probably do that again. And then Nintendo's console, you can't really count as competition because they're not trying to... They don't try and compete hardware-wise, and they never have. It's just, here's the Nintendo machine, this is what it does. And then, I mean, until I'd played Final Fantasy VII, I probably said that the best-looking game of this generation was Breath of the Wild. That game looked fantastic, even if it wasn't photorealistic. Free. I don't know about the new console. I don't I don't think I'm going to spend, let's be honest, the probably £500 on a gradual jump. And I know that's what PC gamers do, but I just don't... I can't see it being enough enough of a jump for me to buy it I think the issue I would is bet money Neil that you will yeah I mean you're going to because I'll be there on midnight launch outside Bullring chewing from my console so will Daniel and you'll be stood there and you'll be like well I might as well pre-order one I can change my mind and then you'll get there and you'll buy it because you won't be able to if I get in you're like how is it Ryan can I come round when you unbox yours oh what, what, what's it looking like is it good no, like, start because, you're like but this is the thing it's not a new console it's just an upgrade of the current version because they don't have new infrastructure and content it's, it's just an upgraded console so all you'll be doing is Xbox putting on a game X. yeah but then the problem is that it would just be an upgrade of a game that already exists on the other consoles and without maybe it a better will. television I mean to be it's fair like, be enhanced. you guys 
you guys had like a 4K TV long before I did, and I still thought my Xbox One, um, like standard kind of launch edition, the games look fine on there, even in like just 1080p, and that's to this day, it's still what I'm using now. But like, you went out and you got the Xbox One Series X and a new TV, so you've got a 4K TV sorted already. And when you're playing, I don't know, say Halo Infinite, and me and Ryan are playing it on a 4K console and a 4K TV, you'll feel like you're missing out, even though it is only like a visual aspect. If you're playing it on a Series X, like the, the, um, the Xbox One X compared to the Series X, it's like a, a, I can't remember the exact specs, but it's like a jump by three times. Yeah, so I it's think not the like a, is, a minor thing. It's going to be the, like night and day. Yeah, with the jumps now, like we're used to console jumps, meaning graphical improvement, you know, back from the 8-bit the days, we're used to consoles having a jump and games looking better, whereas the hardware focus now isn't necessarily on that. It's on fixing, I guess, hardware limitations, so like stuff like ray tracing for lighting, load times, and the hardware we're changing isn't necessarily the graphical power of the machine. It's everything else, all the behind-the-scenes stuff that will make games better in the long run, but there won't be a, it won't be a visual aspect that suddenly you're like, oh my god, look at a photorealistic distance. Because... Yeah, one of the reasons that they've said the, the Nintendo Switch isn't going to get any PS5 or Series X ports is because whilst it can handle it like a graphical downgrade, it can't handle the complex AI programming. Like, it's just not powerful enough to process that, whereas the, the PS5 and Series X will be. Plus, it'll be like all games where the launch games don't seem like a huge jump and then by the time you get to the middle end life of the console you'll look back and go fuck me we used to play games like that like if i was yeah. like i'm really nostalgic for resident evil 3 at the minute and i'm tempted to go get my gamecube from my old family home and plug it into my tv which i realized i'll need an adapter for because it hasn't got hdmi port um but i'd put that in and be like was it all squares and blocking this is disgusting because you forget what it used to yeah. be like and I imagine halfway through the Series X lifespan, you'll plot a game in. Like, we all know I'm not a fan of long loading screens. Hi, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, but if you get used to load times on a Series X and then play an Xbox One X, you're going to be like, ugh, it's gross. And you will end up buying one because you won't be able to not... You'll get too excited. You're, you're a gamer. You're a nerd. It's a new technology. You'll get far too excited and not be able to resist buying one. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Um... I'd probably say we should wrap it up there. It's been a good hour. Daniel, you joined us a little later, but you got to tell us about Resident Evil 3 because we were in a funny situation where I played Doom Eternal, Ryan's playing Final Fantasy 7, and you play Resident Evil 3, and not any of us else have played it. Where normally we kind of discuss a finished yeah. game. But to be fair, though, I mean, we've got all bases covered, like the three biggest games, not mentioning Animal Crossing because that would be number four. Um, but the, the three biggest games on Xbox, at least, we've, we've all played um the big three games for for this month really yeah i mean uh, based on what i've seen so far i'll be on final fantasy 7 remake for many 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 hours oh i didn't touch on the quest i forgot about this good good job i remembered um neil's not overly sure are you neil if you really care about playing final fantasy 7 remake you definitely aren't no. gonna buy final i'll fantasy probably remake. play the first part we won't get into discussion about my feelings on the other parts but I'll probably the first part out of curiosity because that's really going to be my, let's be honest, my tester for the other parts. Well, there's a quest in it, Neil, that was built to tempt you. 
The quest is called Lost Friends. So immediately I'm playing this Cloud, who you know isn't the most heroic person in the universe at this point in the game, um, or the story. Uh, but I go over and well, I have this little girl find a missing friends. What's going on? Maybe some monsters have got her friends. We'll go solve this problem. So you go talk to this little girl, and you're with Tifa, and she's like, is Marlene here? And Tifa's like, nah, she ain't. Um, and this little girl explains that her friends are missing and starts giving you a description of her friends. And she goes, yeah, they've got really long legs. And then it turns out her friends are cats. You, then have to, you have to walk around Sector 7 and find missing cats and get them back <laughs> to this girl. And I was sitting there wetting myself while I'm, used, I'm playing as Cloud with a huge sword on his back. Running around being like, here kitty kitty. Here. It's, not, it's not Tiger King, no, it is Final Fantasy. We're going, here kitty kitty. Like, well, this, this quest's for Neil. I was almost tempted to pause the game, get you to come around just so you could do the quest and be like, oh, I don't need to buy it now. Well, uh, maybe next time I will. Um... So we'll leave it there for now. We're all going to go off and clap for Boris as the hashtag is trending on Twitter. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I'm going to sit that out. <laughs> all right then. I, well, mean, I mean, not to get political, but like he's he's just got ill. There's a lot of other people in the country that have gotten ill, and I don't think it's clap worthy that he's ill. <laughs> no, it's just a it's just a Twitter trend, obviously, but. See, the world's going mad with it now because we had the NHS clap, which by all means, go for it, well deserved. <laughs> then they tried doing the second one and it's like, it was just the sun, the, the newspaper jumping on the bandwagon. And it's like, well, it's at its moment, it's not going to get the same traction the first one did. Now everyone's like trying to find any reason to get people out on the doorstep clapping. The world's like, clap going mad with applause. <laughs> it has. I mean, I mean, you say not to get political and then we've gone there, but... I mean, I'm sick of seeing all the people politicise coronavirus and Boris going like, ah, why are you why are you happy with Boris doing his dealing with things? Because the Tories have the Tories have slashed slashed the NHS over years and Boris blocked the pay rise. And I'm like, yeah, he did. I still don't want the fucker to die. Like, I don't yeah. like most politicians, but I'm not sitting here glad that the man's in intensive care because I'm not a prick. And like, ugh, I mean, yeah. it's half my Facebook feed to be fair. I should probably just delete most of them, but. <sighs> fucking liberals oh Jesus we've turned into Fox News and I think we'll say goodnight for that um, yeah. next time we'll probably hopefully have all played all the games because let's be honest there's not really much coming out right now and there's not much geekiness to do there's no movies there's no board games we can meet up and play there's nothing really other than the games at the moment but do you know what we'll talk about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie next time and we'll all try and play some Doom some Resident Evil and some Final Fantasy I forgot or we, we could all that. play Resident Evil Resistance Fuck off, Daniel. <laughs> like, it's janky and terrible. <laughs> well, do you know what? We'll give it a try, and then we'll talk about it next time. Where's the so, kick option? How do I kick him? I don't think you can. I think our, uh, <laughs> our online producer is the one doing that option, I'm afraid. But do you know what? We'll, we, do you know what? we'll give it a go, because we are critical geeks, and the only way to be critical of something is to give it a go. <laughs>